Hello, welcome to MySpit Talks. I'm Chen Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In this episode, we're talking to agency founders Jennifer Davidson from Sleek Events, Matt Edgecombe from Powwow, and Simon Hambly from Strata Create. What's the objective, best practice sharing to try and help us all get out of this uh, situation? Um, so a couple of quick things just from my book. Um, tomorrow we've got a skills session on PowerPoint and how to make them more animated at 3 p.m. So just check the forum for that if you want to join in. I'm very excited to announce next week we will have a freelance sector on MySpook, so you can search for freelancers. It's all free for freelancers to join. Of course, they're going to be hugely impacted in this industry. Um, so for planners, you can be, you'll be able to advance search on all sorts of criteria. Um, that should go live next week. Um, next week's Voice Talks is with corporates. Um, details out very soon. And 10th of June, we've got a much bigger event planned. We had a test event yesterday, and I'm going for uh, 10th of June to do an extended talks, but at a bit more with content sessions, keynote speaker, some networking. Uh, again, more details to follow. Let's get into today's session. I'm really delighted to have three people join from Agency World. Um, I'm going to ask you all to introduce yourselves, your name, the company, and also what is the type of work that you do? So, um, Matt, over to you first, please. Thank you. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Matt Edgecombe. Um, I'm the Managing Director of Powwow, Powwow Events. Um, we are predominantly a business-to-business event agency, uh, and we mainly deal with the sort of more um, strategic level events. We do a lot of sort of annual events, repeat events, and help clients both plan those and deliver them. That's great, Matt. Thank you. Jennifer? Yeah, Jennifer Davidson, a Managing Director from Sleep Events. We organise um, global events for cloud-based communities, and we do anything from 10 to 15,000, and we specialise in large-scale exhibitions. Great. Thank you, Jennifer. Simon? Hi, I'm Simon Hambly from Strata. So we are a full-service live event agency, uh, delivering for a broad range of corporate clients, B2B and B2C. Uh, and uh, we do everything from conferences, incentives, uh, other communication events, quite a lot of work in the automotive sector, uh, business consumer activations, so real broad section. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you for joining. So what this session is about is really listening to the agency world and what they're actually going through. So. Um, Clearly, when this whole thing started, uh, there was a huge amount of postponement and cancellation work that had to be done, um, trying to manage that as well as trying to decipher the furlough scheme and what to do with teams, your clients, etc. What is it you're dealing with now? So if I go to Simon first, in terms of your current day to day or, you know, what is it you're dealing with? We are, so I suppose we've moved on from kind of immediate cancellations and postponements and we are working on a number of things. So we do we do have quite a few people on furlough and the people who are, are uh, still working are uh, working on with clients to plan um, for either alternatives to what would have been a live event, so something virtual uh, or... Um, they are already planning for events later in the year or moving events from 
the current period into next year uh, and then also planning that those events may have a virtual or a hybrid element to them as well um, i think hybrid will be a given whatever happens um, and then in addition to that we're also seeing some um, more immediate planning in the consumer area so where there's an experial activation that is more along the kind of one-to-one uh, -one where social distancing is more possible we are seeing clients um, start to plan to recommence that activity in the autumn okay thanks simon just all the new people joining thank you welcome i'm not sure why there happens to be two rooms that's happened once before i'll try and get to the bottom of it but apologies but welcome we've just got started um jennifer what what are you dealing with at the moment um, so we're still sort of locking up all of the cancellations because the events we were doing were quite large. So um, there was quite a bit of back and forth um, and conversations happening with suppliers. Um, we've also taken a slightly different approach and really used this opportunity to stop, reset, um, and then ready to restart. So on a business strategy level, really focusing on rebuilding the foundations. Um, the team is fully furloughed apart from sort of senior management and um, so we're very much doing the day-to-day -day stuff but we're actually using as an opportunity to review our processes uh templates that the team are using and putting ourselves in their shoes to make sure that when they do return we are improving and um yeah improving everything that they use on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that it makes their day-to-day -day life easier okay matt um, I think it's similar to the other guys, really. We've we've, um, we've finished with the immediate cancellations and postponements. We're now trying to sort of button down what we have in 2021. And we have, you know, there are various opportunities we have. And I think we are trying to rebook those, but with a huge amount of contingency, because I think the uncertainty is, you know, people aren't confident to book even into 2021. So how do we do that? It's by, you know, adjusting contracts and liability basically and trying to come up with different options so that's the one i spend a lot of time on sort of scenario planning the what ifs so if this happens and that doesn't happen then what do we do um most of our team majority of our team is furloughed so there is a duty to sort of keep in touch and, and make sure that they, you know they find purpose and are still motivated um and we've also spent quite a bit of time engaging with clients on a slightly different level, more sort of discussions, you know, trying to understand what their priorities are, what their thinking is, what their worries are, what their challenges, what, and indeed what their opportunities are. And I agree with Jennifer there, we've spent also time reassessing what we do um, in terms of when we do come out of this, what will it look like? And I know it's very difficult to do that at this stage, but you can sort of get a feel to as sort of direction of travel so how do we set the agency up to be able to meet that yeah and you've, you've got mentioned furlough um obviously we had the news yesterday from rishi about the extension of the furlough scheme what do you guys think um in terms of are you happy with what's been achieved and what, what they're suggesting in terms of the extension jennifer yeah i think it's great i think it's definitely a lot better than what we're expecting um I think there is an element of ownership on business owners. If you own your own business, you've got to be able to kind of carry your own for a bit if um, times get tough. So 
I think what they are putting forward will be a great help. And definitely, I, I think you've got to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Our kind of positive head, I suppose, is come September, October time, we will be able to start planning um, some of the larger scale events, which we fall within 2021. So with that in mind, I think it will actually work quite well. Um, all things going in the right direction, of course. And you guys, Matt, Simon? Um, I think, I mean, for us, furlough has been very good. And considering when you, when you consider the time they had to put that in place, um, I actually think they've done quite a remarkable job. And for agencies like all of us, I think it's, it allows, it gives us breathing space. You know, naturally our business and our revenues, you know, dried up. They are starting to come back in some form, but nothing is definite. So this extension to furlough just gives us that extra breathing space. So to me, it's a big thumbs up. And Simon, what about in terms of in the furlough conversation and your thoughts on the extension? But do you think they've done enough for this sector, this industry? <laughs> From a purely selfish point of view, no, of course, I'd love to have. I'd love to have more, but I don't know that we can expect that. I mean, I think they've gone to extraordinary lengths. You know, where it's our, you know, whether whether or not how that will affect the economy in the future, who knows? But I think they've done the right thing for now. It's been incredibly useful to our industry in particular, because we all know it's been incredibly hard hit by this. Probably, you know, one of the hardest hit industries out there. So um I think it would have been a very different landscape if if uh, our government and, and, and all the other governments around the world hadn't done something along those lines. And it's kind of like the phrase is first hit, last to come back. And do you think the lobbying by our industry sectors, DCMS, do you think that's been, I mean, do you know anything about the lobbying? Have you seen anything, any thoughts on how the sector's kind of driving the calls for us? asking me Chetton. yeah come on <laughs> are you a member of an association no <laughs> so so you can't uh, the voice or, or can what do or I should think? you I, I, here's, here's my view i think that um the live event sector particularly in the uk is not really the b2b live event sector is not really recognized by government and i think one of the issues we have is that we have so many associations that we're not really sure who the voice of our industry is. And I think if we're not sure, then, you know, I'm pretty certain that government aren't sure as well. So I think we get lumped in with, are we hospitality? Are we media? Are we travel? Are we marketing? What set are we creative? What sector? We're in a bit of all those sectors and we don't really have a clear, you know, a clear lobby voice. I don't know what the others think, but. Well, I, I would, um, yeah, I'd probably go there. I, and I must admit, we're not a member of any association. I agree with Simon. It's a little bit baffling as to which one you perhaps should be on. I think there's a, there's another, it's a related point, um, is about how we are defined. Um, because I think there's a lot of um, potential additional support for travel and for hospitality. Those are the sort of phrases you see in the media. But the problems we have are exactly the same problems can anyone hear me? I'm echoing my end. Yeah, I think it's my science. Um, I think the problems we have are just as 
serious as the the travel and the, and the hospitality industries. You could argue it's even worse because of the sort of production time and lead times that we need. And therefore, I'm slightly fearful that we won't be recognised in the same light um, and we could get left behind in terms of specific support. Yeah. Anything, anything to add, Jennifer? No, I think the guys have covered it all. I think there's so much news out there and there's so many opinions, if you like. And I think no matter what anyone does, it, it probably isn't going to always tick everyone's boxes. So I think what they've done today is pretty good based on the time scale and considering the amount of investment that's going into and not just within events, I think, um, you know, in all industries. So, yeah. Okay. So, so actually, it's just one other point there about, um, I know we were talking about this earlier, but it's like someone wiser than me said uh, the only thing that's you know traveling faster than this flipping virus is rumors yeah and misinformation and i think you know and it's a slight wry smile there but actually it's very serious when you are trying to plan ahead um because it's very difficult to understand what the bases are you know what are you trying to plan with when there is so much rumor that announcement only came out yesterday wasn't it and already yeah. I've seen about four or five versions of what is meant to be happening when they haven't actually said they're going to confirm that until the end of May. And I think for any agency or any company at this stage, that's actually really, really difficult trying to navigate that and understand what is actually going to happen. So so on that point, let's, let's dig a little deeper. Where do you get your information from? More sector specific. Where, where would you turn? I'm an awful person to ask about news. I don't watch it. Good approach. Yeah. Uh, I try and take in, I know what you mean about the news, but I do try and take in as much as I can in terms of uh, anything that might help point to a shift in trend amongst mm. clients and, and, and society, I think, because there's a huge, and I'm not a scientist, there's a huge behavioural shift probably needs to happen before people go back to being comfortable going to live events and travelling. Never mind the, you know, the legal status of whether you can travel or not on quarantine and all of those things. So I think, I think I'm trying to always work to be, you know, thinking ahead. And that's all you can do at the moment. You've just got to keep thinking ahead, keep scenario planning, keep working through all these things that could happen so that you're ready when something does happen. And I think that's kind of the state we're all in, that state of trying to be as ready as you can, react to yeah. what's going on, be ready for what's going to happen next. It's a bit like the, the furlough announcement. You know, they are, you know, the drip feeding of, uh, of uh, information about how, what the rules may change to in August, I guess is deliberate on their part because they probably haven't quite figured out exactly what they can and can't afford to do, and some things could change between now and August. So they're they're watching that, and you've just got to go with it, really. Just try and stay as agile as you can, and go with that, and be ready to change. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's. So in terms of that planning, the the suppliers in this sector obviously play a huge part in terms of delivery for the agencies. What in what have they done that has been really helped? your cause in terms of managing the postponements, cancellations, and also what could they be doing more of to help you kind of get back on track or, or, or resolve past client bookings? 
I've, um, if the guys don't mind, I'll chip in on this one. Um, we've actually been pleasantly surprised by all suppliers that we've worked with, including venues. Um, and some venues who are notorious not to budge on their kind of T's and C's or being that accommodating, and even them have caught us by surprise. So we've actually had a really pleasant experience, um, and they've really worked with us. And I think the other part is um, they're also reaching out to get our opinions of what we want post all of this and changes that they could implement that could make the client's life easier, if you like, as well as ours. So um, there's several that have been absolutely amazing and being accommodating and helping us move stuff around and, um, yeah, making sure the client benefits at the end of the day. That's good. Good to hear. Matt? Um, yeah, I nearly agree with all that. I think um, we've had, on the whole, very, very good. And I think um, most people, most sensible suppliers and venues understand that we're all in the same, um, we're not necessarily in the same boat. Someone said to me, we're all in the same storm, but not necessarily the same boat, which I sort of agree with. And I've, But I have seen a shift. When this initially happened, there were few sort of international chains who just sort of dug in a little bit but I think as it went on and everybody realized quite how serious this was and then perhaps there was a shift from cancellation to force mature may have pushed it along a bit on the whole now I think people understand that actually digging your heels in um, is very short term and there's a longer term reputation that can be easily damaged and has been I think in some cases um, going forward I think a lot of you know, the good suppliers and the key suppliers to us are now proactively trying to help us um, and trying to find creative ways to adapt to what will be and, and what will happen when we come back and we get this transition from virtual into hybrid, which I believe will obviously happen. So on the whole, positive. Yeah. Simon, what could they be doing to help? I think um, particularly on the venue location side of things they could uh, <laughs> apart from their salespeople being back at their desks because many uh, many would be on themselves and i think that's been an issue certainly starting to become an issue in that there literally is you can't get hold of the right person to talk to to make a plan but i complete i kind of understand that anyway their businesses as well but when they do come back i think um we need people, we need them to start thinking about how a safe compliant event can be run within their venue, within their city, within their country. You know, and I think the convention bureaus, venues, all those guys need to be working together and have a have a kind of proactive approach to saying, we've thought about this. These are the things we're putting in place. And I'm sure that, you know, the good ones are doing that now anyway, because that's just going to that's going to help us when it comes to uh, making recommendations to clients who are going to be nervous, who are going to be cautious about, you know, the more we can be proactive in that, you know. Cool. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, um, yeah, I think. Um, there's a lot of there's quite a lot of information starting to come out from different hotel groups about their policies protocols sorry Simon you froze there so I'm just taking over uh did you have did you have a final point on that no no carry <laughs> on 
Thanks. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, there's been a, quite a lot of comms on hotel procedures, cleaning, regimes, hygiene, etc. So next week was meant to be a session on exactly that with the hotels kind of telling us what they're doing. But actually, we're going to change it to a couple of weeks. Okay, um, I'm going to move on to the next section, but let's take some questions. So, Rebecca, Matt, um, this is for Matt. Could you specify what you said about suppliers found creative ways to adapt? Um, yeah, I mean, it's part of a sort of, it's a bigger topic. It's understanding, again, and from an agency's point of view, understanding what services, as we come out of it, so as we move away from this virtual, as we're sitting talking here, and we come more into hybrid, what services are going to be needed and wanted? And it ties in with Simon's um, point there. You know, it's not only what's needed, but what's possible. So if we are to develop, as, as agencies, we are de trying to develop hybrid events in a strange environment, it is better to try and do that planning now. So some of our key suppliers, we are proactively, or they are proactively coming to us saying, okay, this is what we believe it would look like. These are the types of contingency we have to have. These are the audience worries. And there's also, it's not always about the audience, it's about how do you keep your own staff and your supplier staff and your production staff safe as well. So it's all those small details, which um, it goes back to what Jennifer was saying earlier, you know, this opportunity gives you, sorry, this time gives you that opportunity to actually start thinking through those. So as we do come out of this and come into hybrid, we are ready and we're not trying to do that planning then. Yeah. Have you, have you, any of you guys seen any installations technology wise that venues or that, that you've had conversations that they, they're going to install to make hybrid far more easier? Has any of those conversations happened? No, we've had a couple of people saying they're going to be implementing several plans, but they're yet to share them. So I think it's quite early on, to be honest. Fair enough. Okay, I'm going to move on, and um, please do ask questions to to these three people that I'm sure you've got lots of questions for in the chat box on the right-hand side. I'm going to move on to uh, a phrase that we've discussed a couple of times at the agency leaders, which is a, a new models, meaning what does what events won't come back in exactly the same way, not to start with anyway. So new models have to be explored. Of course, hybrid is one. But is there anything else you guys are seeing in terms of new ways of getting people together in different formats? Um, Simon? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, well, I mean, it's a very creative industry. So I think we're going to see some incredibly creative responses to these challenges. And I think even when we talk about hybrid, so, you know, I get in the immediate future I, I can see a, a huge trend towards you know a a global event being staged locally with with a relatively local audience but hybrid in terms of its interaction through the internet but then in the actual venue itself i can see events developing a different format so that you know you you are you it's, i cannot see a scenario where you know a conference is is 200 people sat in a room that should seat a thousand people and that being an engaging experience so we're gonna have to come up with different ways to run events we're gonna have you know events that run in small groups over a longer period of time we're gonna have events that run in a big venue but have a small number of people who move through different experiences so i can i can see those sorts of ideas and scenarios developing um, on fire. 
We've got far enough. <laughs> we'll bring you back in, Matt, when you can. Sorry, Simon, you carry on. You still hear that awful noise. Yeah, so I can oh, see, I can see, so we are starting right. to, we are starting to think about things like that for future events. We are starting to think about how those things uh, can be structured in response to a grief. And I think there'll be even more of those ideas coming out time and time again. I think we'll see those in the in the press as people start to put together great creative responses to those challenges. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and Matt, any any? Yeah, I think I, I actually personally find this element a bit very exciting because you know when you're under duress, you come up with great ideas, and I think this is this is a perfect example of it. There's some quite interesting stuff. Uh, there was uh, the PCMA COVID recovery report came out, and that was you know there seemed to be an overwhelming uh, push towards more local events, which is understandable. But there was some interesting stuff also. I think came from China. I'm not sure who who it came from, but. They were talking obviously about outdoor events becoming more popular, which is great. However, we may not have the weather in a few months. Uh, but exhibition style was easier to manage. So I think, and we're quite versed to being, you know, you know, if you go to Tesco's, you have to move around in a certain format and pattern. And there's no reason why these types of learnings come applied to events. So the more exhibition style where you move through it or you move from pod to pod as, as groups or socially distanced groups. So I'd say actually part of this is um, quite exciting. I saw that it was a drive-in rave the other day. I'm not quite sure what that was. But we've seen a sort of uptake in events in a box, which can then be sort of moved out globally and then adapted globally depending on what certain circumstances exist so you create a model which then can be adapted to to cope with various um, scenarios and conditions but yeah i'd say i actually think this is part of this type of bit is actually built for our industry as simon said it's a very creative industry and the more creative ways we can do to to create experiences then fantastic yeah and jennifer i can't see you are you still there yeah okay <laughs> great um, the phrase pivoting what does that mean well i suppose it's changing what you're doing right um but as we kind of touched on earlier i think a lot of people were quick to jump and panic and suddenly make themselves expert in a digital field when funnily enough they have never mentioned it previously so i think um people need to probably think a bit more carefully about what they put themselves out there at this time because things will go back to some extent to how they were before. And I think following on from what the, the guy said, um, yes, different formats, being more creative, but ultimately that's our job anyway, right? And that's why people employ us. So although we haven't maybe used as much technology, um, now clients will feel more comfortable with it. But again, it's our job to make sure that they feel more comfortable and um, show them that it's worth doing. So. I agree with all of the points, but I do think to some extent it is our job to do those elements too. But yeah, but so you also, but part of your earlier point was that that to pivot and jump to another whole new stream of communication and, and client offering might sound good in the short run, but but you was you was chat you were saying some warnings to them. Is that right? Did I hear that? Well, right? I just I suppose it's 
you you're an expert in a field for a certain amount of time and then if you suddenly switch to something else um you know i suppose will your clients suddenly question and think well hang on a minute they only had three weeks and why did they never sort of recommend this avenue to us before so i get the point of being adaptive and offering different things but i think also you need to just be careful because credibility comes with time right yeah good points good points i'm going to take a couple of questions that have been um so there's definitely a report the the pcma report yes we'll post in the forum when um i think we've got it somewhere but matt matt i'll, I'll come to you and ask for you for that and i'll post in the forum um rich is asking um do you have do you have any live events in the planning this year um and if so do you, have you got to the point where you can establish the format Anything? uh we do we have um we do have a, uh, an event that has to go on because of various legal reasons, but, and the format is still being discussed. Uh, but the basics are there in terms of social distancing. It's being scaled down. It's The venue's changed. The venue is far easier to control. But that is a bit of a one-off, I think. Um, we do have some other things later on the year, but as I said earlier, a lot of that, we have the basics in place, but behind that is a huge amount of contingency um, because we simply just, you know, nobody knows quite where we're going to be. So to answer the question, yes, we do. Um, but there's the proviso that they may well be moved further into 2021. Yeah. But at the moment, there's some stuff in sort of November. Okay. Uh, Simon, Jennifer, anything to add into that, that question? Yeah, we've got events later on in the year, but um, I think, you know, everything still does have a question mark over it. And again, I think I don't. we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. And there's no rush in trying to push clients to get planning right now. I think we've all got a bit of time to actually just hold fire, see what happens in a bit of time, and then pick it up from there. I think, if anything, if we were to push clients now, I think we'd probably panic them more than anything. Um, and also ourselves, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. So advising people to do one thing when really we don't know, um, I don't think would stand well for us. Yeah. Okay. Um, Matt's got a question in terms of how each of you look to evolve. Or are you going to look to evolve your agency offering in the new norm? Uh, so not necessarily pivoting, but evolving into new areas or how would you answer that? Simon? Yeah, I think, um, I think that well, we. It's interesting that the terminology of you know what is a what is a virtual event, what is a hybrid event. You know, we've been, and I'm sure that everybody else in the agency sector has been delivering events through digital channels, uh, in in you know for many years. And we do we you know we've done a lot of webcasting, and I think what we're seeing I think is a rapid evolution of that technology into a broader virtual event. You know a more encompassing virtual event and certainly i think we will have to respond to client need and have more skills in that area than we have had in the past and uh, we're also seeing um so we have a, a an app team who build apps generally that uh work alongside and complement events uh pre and post engagement engagement throughout the event one of the things we're seeing is clients taking some activity away from live and totally into that environment. Now that could be 
short term until things come back or it could be that there's a kind of lasting change where you know some things are better delivered through those channels but it's all complementary to the live event you know and communication application it's not i don't see you know to suddenly go to what jennifer was saying a digital agency is very different than a live event agency we're a live event agency that can deliver through a digital channel and i think the skills of crafting content and messaging and creativity can be applied through any channel so yeah i do think we will evolve and we we will look for um we will look for all opportunities where we think we can use our skills to grow our business but i don't know that we've got a a, a very clear picture of what that means at the moment yeah thanks um and i think uh this is a credibly hard time we know for everyone and there obviously is going to be a global recession of sorts so we might bounce back quicker but there is massive opportunity if you play your cards right um and matt what do you think in terms of the opportunities here are you kind of looking to just write not just but to to hunker down and, and ride out or are you looking potentially at future opportunities of where there may be more um opportunities either in digital corporate event teams may reduce their size and more outsourcing um how do you see the opportunity going forward i think there's right um there are definite opportunities i think um I mean, there's always been this symbiotic relationship with sort of digital and events, and I, that was something we were doing anyway. And I, um, the opportunity now is to accelerate that because there will be more need for um, hybrid. So that is that is one opportunity to develop our, our service offering. Um, I think there's also the, the opportunity uh, as we go through that is that there's, there's a great temptation because of where we're coming from at the moment. Everyone's just gone on to virtual. And actually, it's finding the value that agencies such as ours can actually offer because a lot of the fundamentals haven't changed. You know, why are you doing this event? What objectives are you doing? How are you measuring it? The fact that the medium has changed, or there may be a mix of medium, doesn't actually distract from the point that, you know, fundamentally, you need an agency that can add value and drive whatever objectives you're trying to do through this um, experience. So I think that that is, from talking to our clients, that is actually now coming much clearer in their focus. You know, this disruption has made them sit up and go, well, why are we doing this? So therefore, to me, that is a huge opportunity to help agencies do that. There is also um, something which, and I haven't given a great deal of thought about this, but I think just a little bit of background, I think agencies potentially may find themselves in a slightly precarious place. In other words, the clients will be looking at the agencies with, slightly more risk you know are, are they able to be able to deliver this and we as agencies being in the middle are trying to control a very complex supply chain so we are stuck in the middle of that so there might be an opportunity in terms of actually agencies with complementing skills to come together in some shape or form I say I haven't given a great deal of thought of that but I can see that slowly evolving where an agency is look the risk on us is too great we may not have the skills here and now so why don't we, you know, partner that, which would reduce the risk on the agencies and also, I think, give a certain com uh, confidence and comfort to clients. Um, so there are a number, and also goes back to what Jennifer said right at the beginning, and this time is an opportunity to restructure and rethink. 
I think Matt, you make a good point there. And actually that's something we've been looking at. Um, I've never been one of these people that sees other agencies as competition. I think we're all in the same field and actually it benefits us, especially if you're a smaller agency to work together. Um, everyone has different skills and pros and cons and um, can add different value. So we have actually started a conversation with another agency that offer different elements of services that I have no interest in going into. It's not something I'm passionate about. And I feel that they could offer a lot more than what we could. So um, I think you're 100% right by saying there are opportunities there. I think people just need to get over this mindset that everyone's out to get each other and work together a bit more. Good. In, in terms of um, the outlook again, in terms of staffing, what do you see the makeup of staffing do in the 2008-9 I think it was recession the agencies contracted heavily and then never really got back to the headcounts that that were there and they freelanced a, whole, a hell of a lot to mitigate risk I guess do you see a similar thing happening in the agency world um we we lived through the whenever that was 8-9 28.9, um, and we made a conscious decision then, uh, and it may be the model, you know, it suits our model and it suits the clients we have and the types of events we do. We took a very conscious decision then to try and maintain the team as much as we could um, because we could not underestimate um, the knowledge, that retained knowledge and that ability to then quickly recover and quickly deliver events. Now, I so say that may be more particular to us because we do a lot of sort of annual events when we're constantly evolving them. Um, so for us, it's important to, to be able to recover and deliver quickly is to try and retain as much team. Um, saying that, that is, our, that is purely our intention. I can also see with the changing services and et cetera that, the, there may be other freelancers who bring new skills into this, but that, that will also be a way of remodeling and restructuring a team. Now, if we look at it and you think, well, it's going more hybrid, so we need more of a sort of production, TV production feel, then that's where you would freelance yeah. to quickly expand your services. Yeah, Simon, Jennifer, do, do you see the same? And, and also to that point do you also see then a need to for training and to reskill people to 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 look mm. at things slightly differently in the new normal as it's called yeah so we've actually used this time so all the team that are on furlough we've put in furlough training plans we dedicate an hour of our time and there's um the operations director who meets with them every week and then one other member of the smt joins every other week um, to make sure that we help them kind of achieve some of their goals that they want to while they're off during this time. Um, in terms of freelancers and teams, we've always been quite a lean company anyway. Um, and we have quite a strong relationship with freelancers and we tend to use the same ones year on year. Um, and again, they're using the time to build their skills as well. So I don't think our business model will change that much because we've we, I don't want to get too big as an agency. Um, I've got quite a clear vision of where we want to get to. Um, but the most important part at the moment is making sure that the team um, have this time to really develop the skills that they are passionate about as well. Yeah. Okay. Simon, anything to add? Uh, I think uh, our plans are along the similar lines, but I think it would be interesting to see what happens with the freelance market because, you know, the reality is that the freelancers are really hard hit by this. 
And, you know, how big will that talent pool be when that business comes back? You know, because all agencies are going to give, they're going to prioritize the people they have. They're going to need their people to be more flexible and to be able to work across different types of projects, you know, to maintain that their people base because they, you know, they all care, we all care about our team. So freelancers, I think it's going to be a tough market. And I, and I you know, I, I wonder whether we'll struggle to get enough, enough good talent, whether they will decide to go off and do other things in the future. I don't know. Be interesting to see how that develops, but that'll be another one of the challenges we have to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a question in the forum where it's asking about um, local offices where, where you don't have a, an office, which I don't, know if any of you do but if you were delivering overseas do you see any change in the dmc model at all or what you need from them possibly i there's there's in the last 10 years 15 years there's been a constant drive to reduce the cost of travel and the need of any agency to send its people and its suppliers uh you know unnecessarily to an event I think this will only accelerate that. And I can see, you know, the event in a box that was talked about earlier, I think finding trusted partners who can execute uh, an event format on your behalf in another region will be something that is a requirement and will become a trend. So you're, so that's, actually putting more emphasis on the dmc to take on more of the role that your team normally would have potentially depending on the event yeah i think so potentially yeah jennifer do you would you concur um, i don't know it's impossible to predict isn't it um we use we have freelancers that we have that are based in the countries that we work in so um they kind of act as an extension of our team so i imagine that we would continue to use those um but with everything, um, we've done a few virtual calls with venues, doing site visits, if you like. So I suppose it's all up for question, isn't it? Um, depending on what the requirement is. Because I think, again, if the client is there, you really need to know that somebody knows everything that you're doing in and out if they're going to a site visit. So I think it would totally depend on the situation. Yeah, okay. Um, please do uh post questions into the chat box for the panel we've got about 10 minutes left um matt anything else to add on on the dmc role does that you see that changing at all a little bit i think it sort of goes back to what we we're talking about venues you know the venues are coming up with ideas to to be able to deliver in these circumstances and i think the dmcs have a part to play as well you know what is achievable and possible in, in their destination um and also you know that it's going to work and it's going to keep people safe yeah okay uh, there's a question posted about agency model um and this historically has been a, a really good conversation because we sort of have always in my opinion undermined ourselves by doing a percentage on charge and we've not been charging for our time because we didn't value our time i guess um which is our own fault as an industry do you see that do you see this covid having any impact on the way we might work with clients simon um i don't know whether it'll have a, an effect this this will particularly have an effect on that but we certainly 
you know, we're moving towards a complete fee-based model anyway. You know, certainly within our largest clients, uh, pretty much everything we do is fee as in time based. And I think as we have to get much smarter at measuring and valuing and charging appropriate appropriately for our for our experience. Um, and I think it will just continue to move that way. I'm just trying to think on the hoof what might change that. Um, I mean, some interesting things that might come out of this, just to expand on that, you know, if sadly there are less agencies to fulfill work, then, you know, will that change the balance of power between client and agency? Will that lead to being able to charge higher prices? You know, will it go the other way? Will there be so little work around that agencies are, you know, clambering over each other and bidding whatever they can to get the work? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not suggesting I know the answer, but I can I'm, I can just see some interesting scenarios developing. Jennifer, Matt, any, any thoughts? Um, we've only ever charged for time. We don't do any of the others. So, um, yeah, I think we pay, we, we charge for what we do, and, and that's it. It's quite clear and transparent. Yeah, it's the same as us. We do, we've done fee-based for years. I think, I think one thing that might change, as I sort of touched on earlier, is about, you know, clients' willingness to just pay for disbursements and venues and stuff like that quite so readily. I think that risk factor will cut in big time. So it may be that we need to find different ways of doing that escrow accounts or some other way of managing that uh, supply chain that we're bringing in for that event. Fee-wise, I don't know, clients, they understand it, they get it, straightforward, it's transparent. It's yeah. the other bit that, you know, if we are paying on behalf, then I think there will be a big change there. For example, let me ask you, the amount of additional work that had to be done to move events, postpone events, were you, were you, any of you able to charge for that because that was time? All of ours was covered, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, within, sorry, within cancellation, um, yes. And it may well be now that, you know, as we, we reestablish those events, there is additional work, i.e. additional time needs to be put into that. And we are sort of negotiating on parts of those, but most of it was caught under the sort of cancellation fees. Simon? Yeah, I think um, majority of it, we'll have charged our time. I don't think, you know, it's different for different clients. And, um, you know, and it's different for different um, scenarios. Sometimes it's more challenging. Sometimes, you know, it's less challenging. And I don't think, I don't think that would, change in the future i think you you know you you have different different clients who, who operate in different ways and you have to kind of manage that very carefully i think as an agency yeah okay that's good i mean it, i i remember you know a time where we just basically what we did as agencies and when i was agency side was just give everything away for almost free and like you said simon it, it was it always felt like a race to the bottom to be we deliver so much for so little, but I'm pleased to hear that you are able to charge for time. 
Okay, final final points from me, and please, we've got a few minutes left in terms of any other questions for the the speakers today. Um, once we, we did the agency leaders, the last event that I went to was a physical meeting with agency leaders um, in March, mid March, and we were obviously we were all discussing the impact of COVID and what it might mean, and little did anyone really know what it meant at that point. But what someone did predict and say that they were going to get very hands-on straight away in terms of all the projects because they just didn't know what was going to happen and they needed to get a handle on all the projects. That coupled with lead, the leadership part of what you guys do, I mean, it must be tough as it is, but did you see that happening? Did you have to get right down and into the details of clients and projects? Are you anyway, um, Matt? Um, probably, would, I mean, we still have a core team, which is holding a lot of that detail so now and I think Mark the way that we divided it and it was the three three directors was, was we divided the roles into very distinct areas um, so some of those were operations so not me personally mine was more around the sort of financing and other bits and pieces and client liaison so um, not me personally but I can see the absolute importance of understanding what's going on yeah yeah. Simon? Um, I think if uh, I tried to get too involved, they'd probably tie my hands behind my back. <laughs> I think, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's my job to support everybody in the agency who's working, and that manifests itself in sorting out challenges and problems. And you can imagine in the last two months there's been a lot of challenges and problems to sort out so i get involved when they ask me to get involved uh we're lucky to have a very experienced team for that you know i've still been very involved in some things and you know not so involved in others it's been a mix um, and it clearly a, a challenging time for everyone but you've got people that are looking for you guys as the leaderships what well, how do you guys stay motivated because i mean a, you must have had times when you got your head in your hands thinking, holy shit, what the hell has happened? Because mm -hmm. it's been wiped from all of us. But Jennifer, what, what do you do to, to keep the vision? <laughs> well, um, I get referred to as positive Petra. So um, I am extremely optimistic and always have a sort of plan. I definitely do have a few days where I probably aren't as motivated. But I think at the end of the day, um, everyone else motivates me more than I motivate myself. I think the position I'm in is extremely lucky and I have a great time in everything that I do. And I I am very much enjoying this time to stop and restart and reset and I'm really grateful for it. So I think you've got to see the positives out of everything you're faced with. And at the end of the day, every single challenge is gonna make us better as individuals. So um, yeah, I think I enjoy the speed bumps that we meet along the way because we only get better through them. Well, that was pretty positive. I like that. That's, that's <laughs> going to keep me going today. Matt? Um, well, I, yeah, I love that positivity. And I think, yeah, I'm a similar sort of type of person. I think uh, I think it's when you're in these situations, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the scale of it and just the what ifs and it's like, and you then move out into a scenario where you have absolutely no influence or control. And that then is in, in this sort of this cycle. So I, I suppose the way of dealing with, or my way of dealing with is step by step. You know, you need to look at what can I actually do today, this week, next month? What are the goals we need to do? And it's those small, as I 
quite often say those small victories in times like this that actually motivate you because if you put enough of those together then you will get through but uh you need to break it down and you need to understand what you can control what you can influence yeah anything to add simon no i think i'd echo those sentiments you've got to be positive i think you've got not that doesn't mean unrealistic that mm. means taking positive actions step by step to uh to get to get uh, to get through this period and those agencies that do get through this i think you know to be in at the beginning of what could be a strong recovery maybe not this year maybe not next year but from the year afterwards then you know you could see you could see really rapid growth and uh, and some rewards for all the hard work now yeah. Good. I've um, got a question from uh, Rebecca just asking about, of course, our industry is about meeting. It's about education. It's about networking. I mean, we, we were, you know, a lot of why we're all in it is because of those things. And a lot of the, your teams and yourselves would have been out to uh, networking events, trade shows, fam trips, all of these great things, which, of course, are going to be curtailed in formats. But there still will be educationals. There'll still be suppliers will still want to meet your teams and you guys what would be your stance on you know do you think by the end of this year that the team should be going out or do you think it's going to be essential travel only for a long period how, how will the supplier community best engage with you and, and your teams and the guys on furlough um it's quite a lot of questions there actually um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, who? Shall I Simon. Go? yes I just I so I think the, the simple answer to that is uh, it depends um, how the rules around social distancing and travel change. How quickly does that change? Because you know if it looks like live events will be returning, you know there are some in our diary at the end of this year. You know will they go ahead in their current format? I wouldn't have thought so. Will the events? That are in the diary next year go ahead i would hope so and if they are going to go ahead then by the end of the year we're going to need to start being able to travel otherwise you know there will be other changes that are, are longer with a you know that'll take longer to change so i hope that by the end of the year travel restrictions people are starting to travel if people start to travel then i think we'll start to um, re-engage with fan trips and trade shows Jennifer? Yeah, I think it's very much dictated by the government, right? I think we encourage the team to develop their skills and network and, and build relationships anyway. So I definitely wouldn't tie their hands on that. I think I would encourage it, if anything. But ultimately, people have to feel comfortable themselves. I'm, I'm not kind of their guardian, so to speak, although they work for us. So um, I think it goes on what can physically be done, what is allowed, and do the individual feel comfortable doing it? Yeah. And Matt, final word from you? Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I think it's uh, where there's, you know, there's a pent up need to do this, but we are governed by what is possible. But And when you say what is possible, I think what you'll find if it, if it carries on, then training and suppliers and venues will provide different medium. You know, it could be virtual tours, it could be that. So, you know, where there's a, a need, I think that will be fulfilled. And there is certainly a need. 
Yeah, great. Well, that brings us to four o'clock. I'd like to really thank you, um, Matt, Jennifer and Simon for taking the time to answer my questions, the, the attendees' questions. Thank you so much for joining. We really hope you enjoyed those talks. And if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustbeonit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. To contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter.